Hey, good morning, Gretna family. It's Pastor Rob. It is so great to see you today. When I was a kid growing up, um, I had a little brother. Now, I call him my little brother, but he's he's taller than me. We, <laughs> we were the same height. By the time I was four and he was two, he had caught me. And so my younger brother. But my younger brother and I, man, we used to fight like cats and dogs. I know that we're instances where my my mom was just going i i don't know if i can take this anymore and and the truth is my wife has had those same challenges uh with with our two sons when they were in their early teen years where they just can't seem to get along no matter what and and i wish at this point i could go back and apologize to my mom for some of the stuff that we put her through just the screaming and the yelling and the the accusing, right? There was always that phrase, he started it, right? Whenever mom would sit us down in a room together and say, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but I need to understand as she digs through it. And it, it always came back to, well, he started it, right? The other one started. It was never us that started it. And if you sat with us long enough, and if the, the argument was passionate enough, or it was difficult enough to get through to kind of discern what was really going on, at a certain point, it became less about who started it. That became absolutely irrelevant. What became more important was ending it, right? <laughs> ending it before the relationship was beyond repair or before we beat the living daylights out of each other or before we drove our parents crazy, right? You just wanted to end the fight. And so that brings us to week two of our series in the book of Hebrews, as we are describing the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, the, if you watched us last week, the enoughness, and I know it's not a word, but Jesus is enough. He is enough as God's revelation, our understanding of who God is and what the qualities are that make up God, what he is all about. He is enough to, as our high priest, that intermediary between us and God. He is enough as our sacrifice to replace this this sacrificial system that occurred once a year really to atone for sin right that that stuff that separates us from god and he is enough as the giver of our faith as our understanding of what we need to do and who we need to follow to restore our relationship with god and to have a hope that can come from no other place this week, we're going to focus on that second one, Jesus's role as mediator, as his God's high priest, as Jesus is seeking to repair what we cannot, our relationship with God. Now, the truth is every culture has recognized this need for a mediator between humanity and divinity. Many cultures have, have used shamans in the past, and some still do. Shamans typically connect with or said to ha are said to have the capacity to connect with spirits in the afterlife, usually ancestral spirits that can have an effect on the present life. The Greek gods have always had, they always had their own priestesses and priests that were there to take in offerings, playing almost a similar role to the priests of God. And, and even today, we see people that have a report to have a connection with things beyond ourselves, with divine type of things, right? They are psychics and spiritualists and mediums out there. They're sought out by others, by people who are lost. Even historically speaking, we can see 
that presidents of our country even have gone to these medium spiritualists and psychics trying to seek answers. It highlights something for us. There's, there's always been kind of this deeply embedded understanding that there is something beyond us, that there is divinity out there. Now, for the people of God, it was always about the high priest. The high priest was that mediator between God and man, where a normal human being could not be that. They were not capable of that. They were not holy enough for that. And that's a word we'll get into in a minute. But this concept of a high priest was implemented by God himself through Moses. Moses established the priesthood. Uh, His brother Aaron became the first of the line of Levitical priests, those who were from the house of Levi and who were to lead God's people spiritually to be that mediator. That high priest mediator was once a year was the director of the sacrificial system where he would sacrifice and and make sacrifices for the atonement of the people and then go into the tabernacle of God and to make it right. Uh, Theologian Stephen Lennox says it this way, this one day each year, the high priest entered the Holy of Holies, the most high place in the tabernacle and sprinkled blood on the Ark of the Covenant. Israel experienced a clean slate before God. In other words, their relationship was restored and God responded to their repentance with faith and forgiveness. Is this, this cycle of stumbling and falling, as all of us do, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The book of Romans says that. We are not perfect. No, not one of us. And so every year, God gave his people a chance to restore or return that relationship. The arrival of Jesus, though, changes the landscape of that altogether. When he becomes the mediator... This cycle is broken. Jesus acts as the atonement for us. And that's a powerful thing for us to understand. He becomes the mediator we all need, that we that people over the millennia have searched for and desired and even tried to be themselves this connection to God. The truth is only Jesus is adequate enough to stand in the face of God and mediate on our our behalf. So we're going to read out of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16, three small verses that really highlight who Jesus is and what he's done and how he is truly the one mediator each and every one of us needs. Read along with me. I'm going to read out of the CSB. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, and yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. 
I was reading an article in preparation for this sermon called What Makes a Good Mediator? And it listed several qualities that make a good mediator, someone who's there to try to resolve a conflict and, and to be the connection point between two parties who are estranged. And make no mistake, in our relationship with God, we are. Scriptures even go so far as to tell us that we are his enemies or remained his enemies. Even so, Jesus comes and dies on a cross for us, gives his life for us as we are enemies with Jesus, as we are opposed to God. And so, but I was reading this article and the article lists several things about what a good human or earthly mediator is. Someone who can really bridge that gap between two opposing parties. The first quality they list is empathy. It's a capacity to see and feel and, and put yourself in the place of someone who's going through something to try to see truly see their side of the argument. And this text that we just read highlights that so clearly. We do not have a high priest who doesn't get us, who doesn't understand what it means to be human. Jesus died on a cross unjustly. He was treated unjustly. Jesus suffered. Jesus was canceled, right? To use to use our modern culture, the words we use every day, it seems like, a cancel culture. Jesus knows what it's like to live in our skin. Jesus knows what it's like to walk in this world. And if you're going to have a mediator between you and perfection, because that's what God is. God is holiness, truth, justice, grace, mercy, perfection. He's the perfect image of all of those things. If you're going to have a mediator that's going to negotiate between you and God, don't you really want one who gets where you're coming from? And this text, maybe more clearly than any other in all of Scripture, demonstrates or very clearly states, Jesus gets it. He knows what it's like to be you and me walking on this earth. He knows how hard it is to follow God, and yet he is still advocating for us. The next one that they, they listed was perceptiveness, recognizing what is really driving a conflict, or what is really going on here. You know, these days, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. I always have been, and, and you know, it's a dangerous thing to get on the internet if you have symptoms for anything and try to figure out what's wrong with you because <laughs> invariably you're going to have 47 diseases before this is over. <laughs> I did the same thing in college. My first semester in college, I took Psych 101 and I was convinced I had 47 mental illnesses, right? So there's there's this idea that we if we think we have enough information to figure out what's going on or what the real problem is, we immediately jump to trying to figure it out ourselves to self-diagnose. Here's the problem. Um, a couple of vague symptoms aren't enough at all for me to self-diagnose. I do not have the training or the capacity or the tools or the systems to truly discern what might be medically wrong with me, at least not in every detail, and certainly not to come up with a solution especially if it's something major or underlying. Jesus, is his perceptiveness, his capacity to see everything for what it is, to truly understand what is going on here and to really be able to clearly see how and why we are separated from God even better than we do, much better than we do, in fact, infinitely better than we do, 
is so critical to him being our mediator. If you and I were standing at the face in the face of God, number one, we'd probably be on our faces because that tends to be the posture you take towards the glory of God. But we would have difficulty even really diagnosing our problems because we have difficulty seeing ourselves clearly from outside of our own perspectives, our own sin-filled, broken, jaded perspectives. Jesus sees it for what it is. He calls it what it is, and he gives us an opportunity to move past it through him. The third quality they listed was impartiality, uh, saying they do not desire, a good mediator doesn't desire to determine winners or losers, but to resolve the conflict. Jesus isn't looking for reasons to keep us in a conflicted relationship with God. He's looking for reasons to pull us back together. The next one is patience, <laughs> right? When, when, we're, when a relationship, whether it be a human relationship or the, especially the one we have with God, is that busted and that broken, and believe me it is, that it's that broken, fear is pervasive, emotions are high, and generally progress is slow. It just takes time. Jesus is with you and I, even as we stumble. He does not give up on us. Because to him, the relationship is worth it. He is patient and he is steadfast and he is faithful. The next thing we, that I looked at, they said tenacity. Tenacity was the, the, a great quality for a mediator, meaning a determination to whatever it takes to bring resolution. And I don't know if you get a more tenacious or committed act than to give your own life to resolve it. Except maybe to leave your Holy Spirit, the very essence of who you are, with us to help resolve this issue. Jesus is not going to give up. And the last quality they listed was trustworthiness. Their motives are pure. Chuck Swindoll says it this way. He says, some people have imagined that when Jesus finished his work on the cross and rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven to sit down, put up his feet and retire. Nothing could be further from the truth. He lives to make intercession for us. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to make intercession for us, that he was going to prepare a place for his disciples so that they might come and live with him through eternity. And he is continuing to do that. Jesus has opened the door to the throne room of God so that we can approach it without fear of rejection. Did you hear that last verse in, that we read today? He says in verse 16 of what we read, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. That's not an arrogance. That's not a, um, a misperception that we are somehow worthy because we're not. It's simply understanding that Jesus is holding open the door to the throne room. And so when God gazes upon us as we walk through, we can do so knowing that he is covering us, that he is with us, and he is for us. Jesus is the only one who can truly mediate my relationship with God and your relationship with God. He is the high priest. He is the one to go to. He is the one who makes the sacrifices, not just once a year, but made it once in, a, in an entirety of human history. And that was enough. 
without Jesus, we walk through this world alone, searching for that unique relationship that we were designed for, that one between us and God. We were made to pursue him. With him, we are made whole. That missing piece, P-I-E-C-E, and for that matter, peace, P-E-A-C-E, is restored because the relationship is restored. Without Jesus, we wonder if we are ever going to be good enough and we're tempted to compare ourselves to others and say, as long as I'm better than that guy, I'm okay. God doesn't grade on a curve. We could, that's a deeper discussion <laughs> because there, there, perfection and God is perfection is not a subjective measurement. Okay, It is absolutely objective. And God doesn't compare himself to th- anything that is less than perfect. He doesn't grade on a curve. It's not about being good or bad. It's about being proud or humble. And when we're humble enough to follow Jesus and be with him, we don't have to worry about whether or not we are good enough because his holiness covers it all. Without him, we are unworthy in be- of being in the very presence of God with him. We have his grace and mercy available to us and offered to us. If you are running through this world lost, trying to figure out what your place is, what your purpose is, what your meaning is, if you are constantly hurting and in pain and feeling unworthy, like you are not enough, I want to say a couple things. I want to say first, you may not be. Because the truth is none of us are God. None of us are ever going to be perfect. But I also want to tell you this and hear this very clearly. If you choose to be with Christ, that no longer matters. It's not about being perfect and doing all the right things. In fact, if you think you're going to come closer to God by first learning to do all the right things and then you'll be good enough to approach him, not going to happen. None of us are good enough to approach him. None of us are good enough to mediate our own relationship with God. Only Jesus is. With him, with him, eternity is open to you and that eternity can begin right now. It is my hope and my prayer that you will turn to Jesus. You will ask him to mediate your relationship between you and God, that you will see the healing that he can provide and that you will follow him into eternity. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and may he give you peace. God bless.